So recently, um, I was reading a book called The Seven Great Men, and it's stories of men who gave up their lives and didn't take uh, the things in life that would make their, self, their life easy, more comfortable. They laid it down for other people, and its purpose is to inspire us to do the same. That's what Jesus did for us. Um, and that's what God's calling us all to, men and women alike. He's calling us all to this. One of the stories um, that really grabbed me was the story of Eric Liddell. And some of you may know a little bit about his story. There's even been a movie made about him. He was a Scottish guy who ran in the Olympics. There was a movie made of him called Chariots of Fire. He was extremely fast. Um, and part of his story is this, and it, it was very inspiring, but it's not even the greatest part of the story. But here's the first part of the story. He was super fast, and he had the ability, are there no Kleenexes anywhere? He had the ability to bring... Um, a gold medal to Scotland in the Olympics. I mean, can you imagine that? Think about all that we do for sports in our culture. I mean, just the, the, uh, the ability to win a game or win a championship. And this is, this is the height of all of it. He has the ability to bring a gold medal home. Well, his event was the 100-meter dash. He was a sprinter, extremely fast. So he's headed off to the Olympics, but when, what he finds out is that his event is meant to run on Sunday. You know what he does? He says, no, I'm not doing it. Sunday's the day I worship the Lord. I'm not doing it. Suddenly he gets pressure from everybody. An entire nation is like, are you kidding me? You can bring home a gold medal for your nation and you won't run because it's Sunday. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And he sticks to it. Well, then an opportunity comes up for him to run in the 400 meter. Now, for those of you who are not runners, maybe that doesn't sound like any different, but it's a big difference. Because he is a short sprinter. 400 is four times the distance of the 100. It's for people who can run more distances. It was not his gifting. But he decided, I'm going to do it anyway. It's not on Sunday. I'm going to do it. Uh, the competition didn't even take him seriously. They said he is going to faint 50 yards before the finish. Don't even worry about him. But God blessed him. God blessed him because he honored God and he ended up winning a gold medal for Scotland. He set a record. Amazing. That's not the story. After that, he had a huge platform. People were inviting him uh, to go run. Okay? I mean, he had a super career at this point. I mean, he has, he has won the gold medal. Doors are open everywhere. 
but also for his faith. He now has a platform. All these people are inviting him to come speak because as Christians, we love the people that are successful, plus they have faith. So it's like, come on, we'll pay you all kinds of money. Come and you know, speak to our youth. Because we really want to be successful, that's our real God, and when we find out that you're also a Christian, man, we're all about it. Tell us how we can use God to be successful people. And he says, no thanks. And he answers a call to become a missionary to China. He gives up running. What? That's nuts! You're a runner! You, you have the opportunity for greater fame, money, and hey, you can tell people about Jesus along the way. And he gives it up because God calls him to China. And over in China, they don't really care that he's a runner. Over there, they only care about the Jesus that he can give them. And so that's what he does. And while he's over there, I mean, he's giving his life to Jesus. He's walking away from money and fame. You would think that God would just roll out the red carpet. But that's not what happens. World War II breaks out. And as Pearl Harbor is being bombed here, the Japanese are invading. And suddenly, the people that are over there serving as missionaries are taken into camps. And just before they're taken into camps, uh, Eric was newly married, had a few kids. He sensed that danger was growing. Hey, when there's danger, protect yourself, right? That's what God wants us to do. Well, that's not what he did. He instead sent his wife and kids to Canada to be protected. He stayed in China because he was going to continue to share about Jesus. This is unbelievable. I mean, clearly, somebody who gives away this much is going to accomplish unbelievable things. I mean, God is going to do so much with him, right? Well, he continues to teach in the camp. As he's teaching in the camp, they start to notice some odd behavior coming out of him, but they can't figure out what's going on. They suspect some things, but they don't have the technology to find out what's going on. At the age of 43, that's two years younger than me, he dies. They do an autopsy, they find out he had a brain tumor, and he dies. What's that about? If your perspective on life is that God's intention is just to bless you and make your life comfortable, that's not going to make any sense. But if you understand that we are called to do just as our Lord did, which is to lay our life down and surrender our life, it will make sense. Our life is not about receiving glory. Our life is not about building income. Our life is about laying it down for Jesus. I want to talk specifically, specifically about miracles today. Because this is one of those situations where we say, why didn't God perform a miracle? There were people praying over him. Why didn't they provide healing? Does God provide healing? We've seen it. He does it. He still does it, okay? 
But why? Why does he do it? There are more than one reason, but I want to look at one reason specifically that God talks about in his word today. I want to look at Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Jesus had been performing miracles everywhere he went. He had been casting out the demonic. He had been healing the sick. He had been raising the dead. It was phenomenal all that he was doing. Why was he doing this? God always had the power to do this. And God had done it, you know, from time to time through his prophets and so on. But now the level that God was doing, displaying his power, the earth had never seen. Why was he doing it? Well, in 53, the scripture says this, When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. Because everywhere that Jesus went, not only did he heal, not only did he demonstrate the miraculous, but he always taught. He always taught. And what he was always calling people to was repentance. Repentance and a turning to God. Laying their life down, no longer pursuing life on their own, and, and fully giving themselves over to God. That's what he was constantly speaking about. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue... Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and power to do miracles? I want you to catch this, okay, because some of you are familiar with this story, and maybe you have a wrong take on it. He's at his hometown. These are the people that know him, and they say, where does he get... Where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? They recognize that he has unbelievable wisdom. They recognize that he has power to do miracles. The people in his hometown did not doubt his power to do miracles. They believed in his power to do miracles. I want you to catch that. Because later he's going to talk about unbelief, but it's not going to be unbelief in his ability to do miracles. It's going to be unbelief in him and who he is. And that's what's key. Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brother, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. I mentioned earlier God calling us away from the place that we had always been. Part of the reason that God called us away from the place that we've always been is because we would never have been honored in the way that we could be other places. There's just something about when we grow up with people and we see them in their childhood phase and we see all the silly things that we do in childhood, we for some reason, have a hard time believing that God could really use them in powerful ways for whatever reason. And so that's one of the reasons that God pulled us away. It could be one of the reasons that God's calling Matt and Crystal to another place because 
Because many people in this area know Matt. I've found that in certain places I don't even mention his name, you know, because of the things that will come about. But, oh, you know Matt. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> so, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. It was in him that they refused to believe. They believed in the amazing wisdom he was demonstrating. They believed in the power he was demonstrating. That was not the problem. God does not perform miracles in front of you so that you will believe in his power to perform miracles. It's not the reason. God performs miracles in front of you so that you will believe and know that He is God and that He is the authority to do so and so that you will turn from your old life and give your new life to Him. That's why He demonstrates. That's why He's demonstrating this morning so that you will say, He is everything I need. I do not need a plan I just need to follow Him and that's my plan. I don't need to know how everything's going to go. I just do what He says. But we will be mocked. Matt's already shared that he's been mocked by his family. Well, that's stupid. Are you kidding me? You will be mocked if you follow after God because it will not make sense. But that is the reason that God does the miraculous in front of you because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to turn from what you think is best, what your family thinks is best, what the community that you grew up in thinks is best, and follow and do whatever God says. The majority will mock you unless they have followed after Him themselves. And that's why Jesus does the miraculous. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own family. And so he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Again, unbelief in what? They wouldn't believe that they could be healed? No, they believed. They believed in the miraculous. But here was the deal. The point, the major point of him doing the miraculous he wanted to bless them, okay? He wants to bless you. But the major point of doing the miraculous is that we would turn our hearts and lives over to Him and make Him our Lord. And what he saw was this. I could sit here and I could continue to do these miracles, but these people are not going to turn their heart over to me because they look at me as simply the son of Joseph and Mary. And they don't understand that he was actually the Son of God. That's why God does the miraculous. Another verse that I want to share with you this morning comes out of Matthew 11.20. And it says this, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. And he goes on and he starts talking about this and how they are going to receive a stricter judgment. 
okay? We talked about this um, last week, a few weeks ago, can't remember which, but we talked about this. Is there greater judgment? Absolutely. If you are one who has witnessed miraculous, if you have seen healing or something like that, there will be stricter judgment for you. I want you to hear this. There is such a thing, okay? Not everybody gets the same judgment. That is false. This is not what Scripture teaches. Your judgment will be based on the life that you were given, okay? If you have seen God's miraculous and seen it demonstrated, and you believed in what you saw, that's great, but if you didn't turn your life over to Him, you will receive stricter judgment. As a matter of fact, he talks in that scripture, Sodom was destroyed. He said that if Sodom had seen the miracles that some of these people were seeing, Sodom would have still been there today because they would have repented. The grace that you and I see in seeing anything miraculous is unbelievable. The fact that we would see it. But the fact that we would see it and say, oh, that's nice. I'm not going to change my life any. You know, I'll keep asking God to make my life better, but I'm not going to change my life. We're not getting it. The whole point is that we would radically change our life. That's why God wants to do the miraculous. That's why we should pray for the miraculous. So that other people would turn their hearts. But I also want you to hear this. Sometimes God doesn't respond. Sometimes God doesn't respond, and I believe part of the reason He doesn't respond is because He knows people aren't going to turn their hearts. That it's actually going to bring stricter judgment on them. Because they're not going to turn their hearts. Do you hear what I'm saying? One of the things that stands out to me, and I've shared this before, for anybody who's been to Guatemala, you've probably heard this, but one of the students that I taught in Guatemala, who is a pastor, the way he was converted was this. He was a member of the Catholic Church down there. He was not following Jesus. They're just members of the Catholic Church. His whole family was. His wife had died. His wife had died during the funeral service. There's a follower of the Lord there. And God tells the follower of the Lord, I want you to go tell this man that if he will give his life to me, I will raise his wife from the dead. And the man gave his heart over to the Lord, and the Lord did just that. He raised his wife from the dead. Is God able to do that today? Yes, and He still does it. But the purpose is to turn hearts. Should we pray for things like that? Absolutely. But remember, why are we doing it? Is it to make our lives more comfortable? Is it just to bless people? No. The real point, because here's the real blessing. Remember, Jesus taught the whole time. The real point is that they would turn their hearts to the Lord and, and have the fullness of life. Life as we know it is not about this life. 
It's not about getting all we can. It's not about lasting as long as we can. Eric Liddell was 43 when he died. You know, another person in that book that's written about is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I, I, I'm, how many of you have ever heard that name before? Raise your hand. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay. I was curious. A lot of you have. Okay, the guy died during World War II. He wasn't an American. He was a German. He was a pastor. And he gave his life. He, when World War II started, he actually came to America. He could have remained in America and been safe. He went back to Germany and pretended to be somebody who was on Hitler's side. He did that so that he could save some of the Jews and also try to teach the churches against Hitler. He was also part of an assassination attempt against Hitler. All of that, and three weeks before the war was over, Hitler had discovered that he was a part of the assassination and had him killed. At this point, he was still a young man. And he too would lose his family. But I want you to think about this. Today, after all those years, there are a lot of people that know his name. Why? And it's not about being known, okay? That's not the point. But the point is, the reason he's known is because he gave his life for the Lord. He was used of him. That is the point of our lives. We are not here because of this life, to live the best life that we can here, we are here to point others to the Lord, and that's it. This is about the life that is to come. And many of us say that, but it really doesn't matter if our actions don't follow. And so here's my question. How would God have you live right now? And are you living that way? Have you surrendered? If God's not calling you somewhere else, don't go somewhere else. That's not the point. But the point is, is, do people know, do people around you know that you're living for something else? Or do people around you think that you're just like them, and you're just trying to make the most income you can, build the nicest house you can? If that's you, are you really living for the Lord? Because we are called to live differently. We are called to lay our lives down. And when I see that, it's humbling. I still remember, some of you know Dwayne and Becky Anderson. Dwayne and Becky Anderson were a, lived here, were a part of our church, had a nice little farm outside Benton. God called them to go to Thailand. And I watched them not only sell but give away things that they had collected. And I was the recipient of some of those. And I just sat there in amazement because they couldn't take it on a plane. And they were really doing it. They were giving it up. What happened from that? Did they become wealthy and live long lives? No. Dwayne's passed on. I don't even know. Did he make 60? I don't know. But he's passed on. But you know what? He showed us what it was to live for the Lord. 
You have seen God move. And because of that, you have a responsibility. I do too. And it's my prayer that we would react to that. React to it. Don't hold back. Whatever God calls you to, don't try to make things happen. Just respond to the Lord. And when you do that, the Lord will be able to use you to produce fruit. Maybe it's through the miraculous. Maybe it's not. But the point is, is that God would use our life for something that's everlasting. God, um, Jesus, again, you, you laid your life down. You surrendered yourself. You made your life about something else besides yourself. And you did that so that we would do the same. And in so losing our life, we would find our life. Lord, your scripture declares that if we try to protect our life, that we will lose it. But if we lay it down, we will find it. Lord, I pray that for each one of us, for each person that can hear uh, this message, Lord, that they would respond, that they would lay their life down and simply respond however you call them to. In Jesus' name.